All right, well, we want to, uh, I want to share the Word of God tonight, and I again forgot a joke. I'm sorry about that. You guys are just going to have to survive without it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I know, it's just not the same, is it? Well, we'll make up for it within some other good thing. How's that? It's not like I don't usually tell you something funny about something I did. And so it'll probably come out. I don't know what it is yet. I don't usually think about those in advance. It just, it just kind of happens. But uh, turn, if you've got your Bibles, to 2 Timothy. And uh, I titled this with a question tonight. Will God provide? That's the, that's the question. Is Will God provide? Philippians chapter, or uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. You know, it's something about the time that we live in, uh, going on uh, around this world, and in verse 1 of, of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, but mark this, he, he, he just he draws their attention, he says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. The King James says perilous times. In, in the last days. And you know, I tell you what, it, we live in a time that is, is tumultuous. We, we, we live in a time that's, that's uh, really unparalleled where we're at, we, we think. But yet, I like what Paul Harvey said. He said, in times like these, it's always good to know that this isn't the first time there's been times like these. We've, always, we've all seen challenging times. Now this is, this is, a, this is, this is a lot for most of us. But these types of things have happened before. And here's the thing I always say, and I said this about the virus, I've said this about the economy, and now I can say this about the things, other things going on, that God hadn't fallen off the throne. And so we continue to maintain, need to continue to maintain our, our stance, our, our holding fast to the Word of God. Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't intend for this, but I, I, I got a call from somebody that texted me right before service, and uh, there was something said that challenged me, and I happened to go to this verse, and then I happened to read the ones right above that. So let's back up just a little bit to uh, chapter 2, and let's read verse 23. He says, Don't have anything to do with the foolish and stupid arguments. Let, let, me, let me just let that set just for a minute. Because we can get, and I'm probably not you, it's probably those folks that didn't come to church, right? Uh, none of us would ever do such a thing. But we can get caught up in foolish arguments, and he called them stupid, a stupid argument, something that is unproductive, and and get all worked up. My wife told me today, she said, now don't you watch any news or any social media while you're trying to prepare your sermon. <laughs> so I only watched a little bit. You know, it's difficult. It's a difficult time we live in. And you know what? We're, 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 it's a difficult time. I'm going to, I'm going to just, let's, let's keep reading. Because, because you know that they're, that because you know that they produce quarrels. This is why we stay out of stupid arguments. There, there are arguments, there are discussions, there are things that need to be addressed, need to be taken care of. And then there's stupid arguments that you're not going to win. You're only going to, uh, it's only going to end up in a quarrel. Case in point, one time I, I shared this this morning. I do a, a Bible study on High Call Ministries uh, Facebook page on it every morning at 6.30. And, and, and this came up, this reminder came up to me I, I, of, of a time when I, had, I preached something. And I had a guy come into the office 
we were at the, the church where I had full-time office hours, and so I was at the church, and I preached a Wednesday night. So there Thursday morning, man, this guy came in, and he was going to straighten me out about something I'd said. And it was, it was really just a, a different way of interpreting from his background what it was that I was preaching. A lot of it was terminology. It wasn't that big a deal. But he wasn't going to change my mind, and I wasn't going to change his mind. And all we were doing was butting heads. And, of course, I was about 30 years old, 28 years old. I don't know, 29 years old, I guess. And so, I mean, I had lots of uh, P&B, which is what Mom and Daddy used to say, you know. Had a lot, I had a lot of desire. I had a lot of drive. I could just go, you know, I could just argue if I wanted to. And so I'm sitting there arguing this point, and I realized... This is unproductive. You know, I finally decided that there were there are times that, that it doesn't pay to get into an argument. Now, this is what he's saying. He's, this is Paul teaching Timothy, a young minister. This is how you need to live your life. And you know what I, I realized? It, it takes a lot less effort to not quarrel. It, it takes a lot less effort just to... Now, I'm not saying we just let people run over us. But there's a difference between picking a fight or getting in an argument that's unproductive. It's a it produces quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Why why is that? See, and this is the thing that that, that I struggle with or balance all the time is ministering in a way that keeps people able to receive. That's difficult when you especially when you mix all the different groups and backgrounds and things that we get in Cowboy Church. So ministering sometimes, I'm careful about how I say things, and I'm not stout enough for some, and I'm way too over the top for others. And, and if I tried to please everybody, it'd be like I was a superintendent of a school or something. You know, I'd just be, you know, I've got a couple of those up here that just, you know, it, it, it'd be like trying to trying to please them. Now thank God I don't I don't get a lot of I don't get a lot of that, you know, I it, I'm this isn't saying anything that needs to be addressed. But I'm telling you that when we make a choice and a decision that we're going to try to maintain that that position of uh, able to teach and not resentful. If you get an argument, we get an argument. What happens is if we win, they're resentful. If I if I lose, I'm resentful. If we're in a quarrel, somebody's losing. How about we we learn how to be in a discussion and and leave it alone? So we're gonna. Look at the Word of God there, and He just challenges us. He says, don't get in stupid, foolish arguments because they just cause quarrels. And it goes on here, opponents must be, uh, opponents must be gently instructed. That's what I try to do. Is try to, I try to teach in a way that you can receive it. I try to instruct in a way that, that you maintain the ability to receive. He says, uh, in hope, that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. The last thing we want to be is a mean Christian. The last thing we want to be is someone who's driving people away from the church and away from Christ. Now listen, we can't be perfect. Newsflash. We can't be perfect. But as best we can, we want to represent. I always tell people, if you wear a Christian t-shirt, you need to act like a Christian. You wear, you wear a Christian t-shirt, you wear a Christian hat, you, you put a, a fish on the back. I, I quit putting a fish or a cross on the back of my car. Because when I blow past somebody, I don't want them going, you're supposed to be a Christian. Okay? we got police law enforcement up here. I, I rarely do that anymore. <laughs> All kinds of people get me in trouble with it. 
But no, no, seriously, that that you know, you, you need we need to to try and represent well, right? We need to do uh, what is right, but we're not going to be perfect. You know, here's the thing we got to here's the thing we got to be is repent. So when we get in that quarrel, or if you get in that quarrel, or if you do something that doesn't represent well, you know what's you know what's the most important thing for people to see is somebody who will admit wrong. Somebody who will come back around and say, you know what, that was that, that, I, I messed up right there. I shouldn't have got, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have been in that, acted that way. I, I apologize not being not being uh, responsible there. Why? Because I have to try my best. Now, some people you can't change. Don't matter how you hard you try. In fact, you can't change me, but the Holy Spirit's got to. But we we want to be able to do, we want to try and do everything we can. To maintain the opportunity for them to hear the gospel, for them to receive Christ, for them to be be taught and able to receive it. He says, he says, uh, and that they come to their senses or their sense and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. He says, man, you gotta. You, I don't want to get to heaven and realize that I didn't do what was necessary. That somebody come to Christ. Now listen. Uh, as best we can. We want to walk that out. We want to walk in it. And then he goes on to mark this. There's going to be terrible times. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedience to their parents. Will you stop right there and say, yes, all you young folks. <laughs> right? Well, I'm pretty sure he didn't exclude the older folks either in, in some of that other. Okay? I just thought I'd throw that in just to have a little fun with you because that's what we tend to do. We try to always blame it on the younger ones. So I'm getting old enough now, I can say, all them young kids, you know. <clears throat> and I'm still a kid to some of you, I know. But Here he says, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And have it, he says, have nothing to do with such people. He said, man, separate yourself. Now listen, that's a pretty broad group. Sure, I'm glad my wife doesn't fall in too many of those. At least I got one friend. <laughs> Too many of those, you know. So I left a little bit. She's watching. It's all right. She, she wasn't feeling good tonight, so she stayed home. But uh, but anyway, uh, I, 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 she she's watching, so she probably is commenting actually on the Facebook live. But uh, but I can tell you though, here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to sit back in a in a self righteous uh, place and say, "Yeah, all you proud people, all you selfish, all you un." Uh, what is uh, were you with brutal people, all you slanders, all you unforgiving, and point it all out that way. Remember what they say when you point this way, you got four fingers pointing back at you. We got to always remember that we can fall into those things. Now, the, the, the best way that we can live is to try to maintain the, the best life we can. You say, man, I thought you were talking about how God's going to provide. Well, see, if we get caught up in the in the foolishness and stupid arguments, if we get into a place, then we're getting in a place where our flesh rules. And then we begin to hinder God's provision in our life. Now we're going to look at some areas of where He'll provide. Look at Philippians chapter 4. 
Because God does provide. In fact, Philippians chapter 4 is familiar verse to most of it. Uh, a lot of this chapter we, we quote or we use a lot. But in this verse 19, I, I love this because the Apostle Paul is telling this church, he's telling these people who, if you read all of that, had been his greatest supporters financially. They, they helped his ministry get where it's going. And he comes in and he says, and, and, and he says uh, in verse 19, and my God will meet all your need. Or it says needs in this translation. Like King James says need. Doesn't have the plural on it, but it means everything. Need. One. Everything. But your needs, according to his riches in glory, or to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So he tells them, he says, he will provide. Now, it's interesting because he talks about it up there in the verses right before that. Verse 17 says, not that I've desired your gift. What I desire is that more that it be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough and have amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus. In other words, the gift that you sent. So they had sent that gift. He says, man, I am blessed. I am covered. God has taken care of me. But he said, I didn't desire it for your gift, although the gift was a blessing, although the gift took care of me. He says, he's getting to the point of because of that gift, God is going to bless you. God is going to meet your need. That's why I talk about, when I talk about the offering, I don't try to wrench it out of your hands, but I try to challenge you, demonstrate your trust in God. So that, see, give that gift, not with, not with an attitude, oh, I can get rich. No, that ain't it. But it is, oh God, I trust you with my finances. I mean, when Sue and I, 34 years ago, when we got married, we didn't have two nickels to rub together between us, hardly. And I don't even know why she married me. I mean, you know, I, I was a hard worker. I guess that's all she was in love. I mean, you know. <laughs> but when we got married, I was working on a, on a ranch and up at the forces. And, uh, and I, I mean, I didn't make much money. And she was going to college, driving back and forth to Alba and going to college. And we were high school sweethearts. And then we got married right out of high school. And, and you know, we, we went through that a lot of period of times where it was tight. But we determined we were going to trust God where our finances were concerned. We both came from families that understood tithing, understood giving. And we said, God, whether we eat or whether we don't, we will tithe. And so we trusted God with those things. And I'm going to tell you, I can tell you stories all night of how God provided. It wasn't floating $100 bills down and out into heaven. You know, it wasn't up. Though. But there would be somebody rent us a house that he had been renting for $475 a month, which we could not afford. But we were paying $350 a month. He dropped the rent so that we could live in that place over at Stillwater. It was a place he could have rented it. It was a nice three-bedroom, two-bath house on five acres on Sanger Road. If you all know Stillwater, I mean, it was just out uh, south of town there. And, and man, what a blessing it was. But that was the kinds of things. That was in 1994, so you know, $350 a month was still decent rent. But uh, that, that was the kind of thing that God would do just over and over again to provide our need met. The other thing he provided was jobs. It's amazing and the right kind of job. It's amazing sometimes whenever we have four kids and, and you know after about the second or third you can't afford child care. 
Uh, I mean, and, and we wanted her, she wanted to stay home. That's what she wanted to be, his mom, stay home with the kids. And so I worked, you know, sometimes three jobs to make that happen. But, but God always provided. But there would be times when we'd, we'd be short. We couldn't, we didn't know how we was going to make it. We didn't know what was going to come up next. And, and lo and behold, there'd be somebody saying, you know, I need somebody to do uh, uh, stay-at-home data entry. Now, in, in the year 1999, that was rare. There wasn't very many people working from home doing data entry. But God put one man that had a, a business that needed somebody, and he had to take old discs. I mean, it was on the old floppies, man. The old, the old you computer people remember the old times. You know, took she we exchanged it and all this stuff. One of this internet stuff, none of that. But she would enter that data. Well, that made the difference. That was the income we needed to to keep us above board. Always during that time, God's taking care of us. He says He will supply. Well, listen, I'm not just talking about financial provision, and 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 this didn't limit it to financial provision only. God supplied in so many other ways. In fact, I want to tell you some other ways. Uh, how he provided for us. Let's look at those. what those riches, it says his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So in that covenant relationship and in that provision through Christ Jesus, what did he provide? Look at Romans chapter 4, or 2. Romans chapter 2. I want you to look at this verse because it, it talks about the riches of his kindness. Uh, it's another type of, of blessing we get from God. You know, we don't, we don't come to God, I hope, we don't come to God for finances. We don't come to God for money. We don't come to God to get rich, right? That's not the goal. The goal is to come to God to please Him. That's why we give, is to please Him. The other is a byproduct of it. But he says here in verse 4, he says, or do, you, or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? See, there was a riches of, the riches of His kindness. What, what, what took place in the riches of His kindness towards us? While we were sinners, Romans 5, 8, while we were sinners, He died for us. Man, that's, that's rich. That's a benefit, that's a blessing that's beyond all other financial blessing, all other provision, anything else we could have is the value of eternal life in Christ Jesus, receiving our salvation, the provision while we were sinners, in His riches of His kindness, He died for us. And that's good stuff. Second thing is Romans 3.23, that we were just, we were, we were given freely of His grace. His grace was given to us freely. That in that kindness, He gave us the grace to, while we're in the process of growing, He keeps us. You know, we receive Christ, and then I don't know about you, but I got saved, and there were times it didn't seem like I changed a whole lot. I was a work in progress. Are you a work in progress? Some of you need a whole lot more. No, I'm just kidding. No, we, we, we are something that we need that grace because what do we do? There's times we fall back into the flesh. We fall back into, we get into stupid arguments. <laughs> we, we allow our, 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 our things to get out of kilter. We, we get the wrong motive in our heart. I was, Larry and I were talking about this today. There's just, there's just times that we, we fall short of being exactly what we need to be. Well, he was saying he did more than me. I just tell him. That was a joke, but a terrible joke. But anyway, 
I try to make up the fact I didn't start off with one. You know, but, but no, we, we, we need that abundance of grace. That's the other thing that he gave, provided for us. Thank God for his grace because I need that grace while I'm working on me, while I'm growing into being that godly person. Because, man, we fall short sometimes. And when we fall short, what do we rely on? His grace. We, we, that's the, one of the things that's provided. Another thing that's, that's, that's within his riches, look at 2 Corinthians 9. And uh, again, the Apostle Paul talking with 2 Corinthians 9 is talking about uh, the, the financial uh, things or, or provision where things are concerned. He's, he again is talking about in verse 6. He says, Remember those who sow sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whosoever sows generously will also reap generously. Well, let, let me ask you something. What is generously? It's going to be different for you than it is for you. The, the amount of generosity, the thing that you give, uh, the thing that you sow, the thing that you uh, make available, you know, it, it's kind of like where time is concerned. For some people, time is, is a lot, they have a, a lot of it, I mean, available. So it's, uh, I know some of you and, and some of your schedules and what, your, what the demands are on your life, and if I get any of your time, if I if I make if I call you, I know, and you give me your time, you're giving me something valuable. Uh, it, so a small amount is worth a lot. On the opposite of our finances, to somebody who has a lot, a little is not the twenty dollars to one is not the same as twenty dollars to somebody. I remember when twenty dollars was a lot of money for me and Sue. And, and I remember, I remember taking those those gifts before God, and God, and we were we weren't we were sowing small in the just bills, but in in what we had available, it was a lot. I mean, when you're making seven hundred fifty dollars a month, and you and, you know, and <laughs> I mean, seventy five dollar tithe is you know that's, that's that doesn't seem like much. But it's a lot when it's leaving your hands, right? So understanding what sowing sparingly, what what reaping or what sowing bountifully is. Is that all right? We talked about money just a little bit. You know, here's the thing: a lot of churches don't ever talk about money. They're afraid to talk about money, and they got to understand the Bible's full of it. And it's not to condemn anybody, but it's to enable you to understand where God loves you enough to make provision for you. He loves you enough to enable you to trust Him. Bill, I'm trying to preach here, and you're letting your phone go off. Distractions, I tell you what. Verse 7, each of you, yes, it is supposed to be off. Bill, don't even start doing an advertisement. Please shut off your phone. Verse 7, I'm messing with you. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Man, we ought to never give just because we see a sad picture on TV or some preachers twisting our arm. It's not out of compulsion. Out of compulsion. Compulsion. It shouldn't be out of compulsion either. All right? It should be out of a, out of a, a, a heart that's free, a heart that's, that's willing. I remember uh, where these things are concerned. We, I, I was sitting in the back of our church. I was about probably 20 years old. Run the soundboard like David is. Preacher was preaching, and uh, 
he talked about something like this. And I said, he said, if you have a heart to give, God will provide. And I said, God, make me give. Give me a heart to give. In other words, God, drive out any form of greed, any form of, of, of uh, jealousy of others, all of those things, Lord, I want to be a giver. But you know what he says about those that, that will give? He, he gives them seed to sow. Let's, let's keep reading here. He says, um, don't give out of compulsion, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And notice verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, that's our motivation. Motivation isn't just so we can get a new boat. Motivation isn't so we can have stuff. Motivation is, God, I want, I want what I need in enough abundance that I, can, that I can help others, that I can do for others, that I can provide for someone else. See, that's our motivation. And as, as I begin to uh, pursue those things and, and desire that, then God begin, get, God begin to put things and entrust things into our hands. But notice what he says, all things at all times, having all that you need. Now, uh, he goes on over in verse 10. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enable and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He will, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity, generosity will be a result of thanksgiving. Listen, and that, that involves much more than just finances. What about your ability to help somebody with time? You know what having your finances and things under control do? It frees your mind. It frees your time. It gives you the ability to help somebody else. I'll give you, I'll give you one story. There was a woman one time who came to my office. She was needing a car. She had a job and she needed a car. And she said, Lord, she said, I, I need this car and I'm praying for how to get this car. And she said, I want, to, I want to give, I want to sow, I also want to be able to give, I want to have this job so I can do it. I said, you know what? If you want to give, the Bible says God will give you seed to sow. He'll give us the ability to do it if we, if we want to. One thing I used to do is I said, God, I need to be able to give. And, and we were stretched beyond our tithe. I couldn't do any more to help. But I had a guy that worked me, he, he would work me on Saturdays. So I'd get off the church, and Saturday was my only day. I was at the church Sunday through you know Friday, and 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 we'd go load firewood. He cut firewood, and and it was over there in Arkansas. We'd cut you know a full 16 foot trailer load, like four ricks, split it, and deliver it all on the same day. He'd give me 50 bucks, you know, something like that. 19, you know, 99. That's decent. I, for for where I was at at the moment, that was a decent money. 50 bucks, maybe 100. You know, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good day. He take he I I take that money and I'd say, okay, Lord, what do I do? There were times we needed it. There were times when, when we needed to, you know, do something with it. There was other times he says, so, give it. And you know what I do? I carry that, to, and this is, I'm not bragging. I hope you don't see this as I'm bragging. I'm not. I'm talking to you about it. the way God wants us to be able to do. As I walk in the church and I say, okay, God, show me what to do with this. And there would be times I'd give an offering. There'd be times there'd be an individual. And I literally have had, had this happen one, more than once, that there was a specific amount 
that I had, like $67.43 or some crazy number like that. Man. And God was sick of it. And I put it in an envelope. I gave it to our usher. And I said, okay, give it to so-and-so. And the, this one time, there was a, a lady who was believing God for her husband to be saved. He never came to church. And it was on a Sunday. For some reason, he came to church. And they had a bill. And I think it was $167. seemed like the $67.43. Some crazy number. And I gave that to him. And it was the exact amount to make their insurance payment that they needed. He got saved that day. Now see, something like that, if we're put in a position that we desire to give, it's not always money. Don't, don't make it all about money. But man, what is the thing that we want to hold on to worse than anything? Almost. Some of us worse than others. It's our money. But if we can trust God and free, free ourselves in all those ways to trust God, man, what a, what a blessing. What, what can He do? Okay, so He'll give us that seed. So, I started to tell you about this woman. This woman said, I want to be able to give and I said, you know what? God can show you where the change in the parking lot of Walmart is if you want to give. And she said, all right. So she started going and she would walk through the parking lot and the Lord would direct her. I know this sounds goofy, but she'd go find coins and find things on the... And she wasn't, you know, homeless or poor or anything. But she didn't. She was stretched clean. She didn't have any to, extra to give, but she wanted to. And God started paying that on there. And uh, ended up, she got the car. God provided it. Uh, in fact, the pastor stopped it. Stopped. He didn't know anything about it. He stopped the service at one point, and he said, "We need to, we need to buy a car for this lady." And the money just went. Came in. It was a crazy thing. But you know what? That's because people were 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 challenged with the word of God to be generous, to be willing to give, to trust God. So I want to I want to close with this last point. And that is the, the, the look at Psalms 23. The other riches of His glory is Psalms 23. One we could we uh, we could quote it. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. And you know what He talks about in this verse or in this chapter is more than just obviously again not just finances. But the Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Feeds the sheep, protects the sheep, takes care of the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. The other riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. He provides for us in all those other ways. Kind of in those three things, we see a way that God provides for us in every way. He'll go on. He says He'll lead us beside quiet waters, peaceful waters, still waters. He refreshes my soul. Sometimes you just need your man. You just need a break. Your mind. You're, you need your soul refreshed. He guides me along right paths for His name's sake. Man, I tell you what, that's the kind of thing we need. Is that God? We, these guys are going to come play in just a moment, and I, I just want you to understand that God will provide, even in this time, even in this perilous time, even in the time you're stressed, even in the time when you're confused, even in the time when you're having discussions, wanting to get in arguments. All these types of things, even when finances could be a stretch, even when your peace could be a stretch, even when you need wisdom, you need somebody leading you where you need to go, see God as in, in the riches of His glory providing for you no matter what you face. In every one of those areas, 
I trust that you see my heart in this in these scriptures, and I trust that you that you continue to grow your faith to see God just the way we're talking about. He will provide. Take Apostle Paul with his word that my God shall supply all your need, every area of need, according to his riches and glory. And we talked about some of those. Let's float, let's pray. Father, we just come before you tonight. Lord, we thank you and we praise you that, that you do provide. We thank and praise you that you do supply. Lord, our pursuit is not things, not peace, not power, not, not prestige, not money. It's none of those things but to please You. It is to please You. And Lord, I pray that, that we in, in our trust of You, that, that we know that You will provide all of our need. Lord, I thank You and I praise You that You provide us that through that relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Father God, if there's anybody watching or anybody here who's not sure that they've made Jesus Lord of their life, that they've never surrendered their life, or they've never truly made that prayer of accepting Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that you draw them by your Holy Spirit right now on the inside of them. Stir them. Let them know that you are calling them, that you're, you're desiring for them to make that step, that decision to make you Lord. Father, if they're... If, if they're listening to me, that they would pray this prayer. That they would say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and live. Help me to become the changed person, person you need me to be. I give you my life. I give you my love. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.